Daniel served God for 70 years in a foreign land. He and his three friends demonstrated what it means to live from a prevailing faith in God. What can we learn about how they did it? Here are passages that reveal the heart of those who serve Jesus well in a hard place. Probably in his early teens, Daniel and his friends were among a group taken from their families in Israel to Babylon. They clearly stood out as young men who were wise in the ways of God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, the chief of his officials, to bring in some of the sons of Israel, including some of the royal family and of the nobles, youths in whom was no defect, who were good-looking, showing intelligence in every branch of wisdom, endowed with understanding and discerning knowledge, and who had the ability for serving in the king's court. And he ordered him to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. Daniel faced an early challenge. He could go along with the crowd and eat a meal that declared his supreme allegiance to the king or trust in God alone as his true king. But Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine he drank. So he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. Now God granted Daniel favor and compassion in sight of the commander of the officials. Please test your servants for 10 days and let us be given some vegetables to eat and water to drink. Even as they served in the court of a godless monarch, God invested in these young men. As for these four youths, God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom. Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams. The king talked with them, and out of all of them, not one was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's personal service. As for every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and conjurers who were in all his realm. After a disturbing dream, the king, Nebuchadnezzar, threatened his advisors with death if they did not prevail against an impossible challenge. Then Daniel replied with discretion and discernment to Arioch, the captain of the king's bodyguard, who had gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. He said to Arioch, the king's commander, For what reason? Is the decree from the king so urgent? Then Arioch informed Daniel about the matter. So Daniel went in and requested of the king that he would ha give him time in order that he might declare the interpretation to the king. Then Daniel went to his house and informed his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah about the matter so they might request compassion from God of heaven concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his friends would not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. When God came through and revealed both the dream and its meaning to Daniel, his first recourse was not to rush into the king's presence to protect himself, but to praise God. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel said, Let the name of God be blessed forever and ever for wisdom and power belong to him. It is he who changes the time and epochs. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. It is he who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. 
To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and power. Even now you have made known to me what we requested of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. When he went before the king to reveal the matter, Daniel made sure the king knew that only God could provide this information. He took none of the credit for himself and gave it all to God. Daniel answered before the king and said, As for the mystery which the king has inquired, neither wise men, conjurers, magicians, or diviners are able to declare it to the king. However, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will take place in the latter days. This was your dream and the visions in your mind while on your bed. But as for me, this mystery has not been revealed to me for any wisdom residing in me more than in any other living man, but for the purpose of making the interpretation known to the king and that you may understand the thoughts of your mind. When Nebuchadnezzar introduced a loyalty test that could not be passed without denying God, Daniel's three friends were calm and fearless in their devotion to the one true God. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and anger, gave orders to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar responded to them and said, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods and worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the trigon, psaltery, and bagpipe, and all kinds of music, to fall down and worship the image I have made very well. But if you do not worship, you will be immediately cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. And what God is there that can deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. If it be so, our God in whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. When God saved them through the fire, their example and God's intervention testified to a truth Nebuchadnezzar desperately needed to hear. Nebuchadnezzar responded and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who put their trust in him, violating the king's command, and yielded up their bodies so as not to serve or worship any god except their own god. Nebuchadnezzar had another disturbing dream. He didn't know it, but it bode ill for him. For his part, Daniel did not rejoice in consequences to be reaped by this proud king who had been a source of trial for him and his friends. Then Daniel, whose name is Belteshazzar, was appalled for a while at his thoughts and his thoughts alarmed him. The king responded and said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dream or its interpretation alarm you. Belteshazzar replied, My Lord, if only the dream applied to those who hate you and its interpretation to your adversaries. Daniel told him the truth and earnestly pled for the king to embrace the truth now 
rather than learn the things the hard way. That you be driven away from mankind and your dwelling place be with the beast of the field and you be given grass to eat like cattle and drenched with the dew of heaven. And seven periods of time will pass over you until you recognize that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whomever he wishes. Therefore, O king, may my advice be pleasing to you. Break away now from your sins by doing righteousness and from your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor in case there may be a prolonging of your prosperity. When Nebuchadnezzar's grandson saw the handwriting on the wall but couldn't make sense of it, Daniel was brought to the great hall. The king offered lavish gifts for Daniel to interpret the message. Daniel made it clear he was not interested in profit or the king's favor. His was a pure allegiance to serving God. He was bold in declaring what this proud man needed to hear. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, Keep your gifts for yourself or give your rewards to someone else. However, I will read the inscription to the king and make the interpretation known to him. Yet you, his son Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, even though you knew all of this, but you have exalted yourself against the Lord of heaven, and they have brought the vessels of his house before you, and you and your nobles, your wives and your concubines have been drinking wine from them, and you have praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood and stone, which do not see, hear, or understand. But the God in whose hand are your life breath and all your ways, you have not glorified. When Babylon fell and a new administration was established, Daniel's peers contrived a trap. Daniel did not deviate in his spiritual disciplines, even when he knew it would be costly. Now when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house. Now in his roof chamber, he had windows open toward Jerusalem. And he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God, as he had been doing previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and supplication before his God. Then the king gave orders and Daniel was brought in and cast into the lion's den. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Your God whom you constantly serve will himself deliver you. When God delivered Daniel from the lions, Daniel acknowledged that God was in charge and that God's judgment is what matters. Then Daniel spoke to the king. O king, Live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth, and they have not harmed me, inasmuch as I was found innocent before him and also towards you, O king. I have committed no crime. About the same time, Daniel's reading of Jeremiah prompted him to start praying. His prayer was motivated by a desire for God to be honored. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, observed in the books the number of years which was revealed as the word of God to Jeremiah the prophet for the completion of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. 
So I gave my attention to the Lord God to seek Him by prayer and supplication with fastings, sackcloth, and ashes. So now, our God, listen to the prayer of your servants and to his supplications. And for your sake, O Lord, let your face shine on your desolate sanctuary. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and take action. For your own sake, O my God, do not delay, because your city and your people are called by your name. From day one, God arranged for Daniel to receive an answer to his prayer. Regardless of how he was viewed by his contemporaries, God saw in Daniel what pleased him. At the beginning of your supplications, the command was issued, and I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed, so give heed to the message and gain understanding of the vision. Daniel, Daniel later embarked on a, another prayer vigil. He earnestly sought the Lord. Once again, God answered his prayer by sending an angel who provided insight about the future. In those days, I, Daniel, had been mourning for three entire weeks. I didn't eat, did not eat anything tasty, nor did meat or wine enter my mouth, nor did I use any ointment at all until the entire three weeks were completed. Then he said to me, Do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to your words. Daniel's story is not over. Daniel will be resurrected when Jesus returns, and Daniel will assume his true assignment in the courts of our everlasting King Jesus. But as for you, go your way to the end. Then you will enter into rest and rise again for your allotted portion at the end of the age. Daniel was approved by God through his faith and has given us an example to follow. Help us, Lord, to be like Daniel for our season in this world. Well, hopefully uh, you caught glimpses of Daniel over the course of 70 years because those passages were showing us some glimpses. And I'm going to show you how those connect to you. Between uh, December 1811 and March of 1812, 1,000-plus earthquakes rocked the area that today we call the Mid-South. The three biggest quakes which were usually referred to as the uh, New Madrid earthquakes, were some of the most powerful and devastating seismic events to take place in North America since Europeans landed in the Americas. Uh, some of the reports include details like this. The Mississippi River actually flowed backwards, or I don't know how that works, but anyway, it was going the opposite direction. Uh, the earth near New Madrid, Missouri, opened up and spewed sand and sediment into the air. So there's all kinds of dirt going in the air. The sky turned black, and the birds were so confused that they were actually flying upside down. I don't know how that works, but that's what some were observing. The earthquakes permanently altered the uh, landscape in the area, and supposedly these earthquakes were actually felt as far away as Canada. Now, you've got to ask, 
Could that happen today? Uh, when I was at Collierville Bible Church, there was a family who attended there, and he was a seismologist at the University of Memphis, a part of a center there. So I asked him questions about this. And uh, here's what you can look it up, I'm sure, on Google. But there is a, listen closely, a 5 to 10% chance of a magnitude 7 event in New Madrid occurring in the next 50 years. And there weren't buildings like we have now. <laughs> so the impact is going to be profound. And I've talked with him about this. He's shown me these 3D maps where you can actually see where there's tremor activity uh, at all levels. Uh, the soil on which everything is built is about a thousand feet deep of sediment depending on where you are we're in the Mississippi basin and that has a plasticity to it where it creates these waves so I have to ask are you prepared such an earthquake would have profound material implications would it not so I keep a go bag in my vehicles, which is one of the things. I mean, we've done a bunch of things. I built our house to withstand an earthquake. Now, I don't know if that's going to work or not. I did a bunch of stuff. But anyway, we have a go bag, and this is the one from my truck. And there are about 60 items in there. If for some reason, you know, there was a disaster of some sort, earthquake could be one, and I couldn't get there uh, back home, this would be the kind of stuff that I would want to have. Well, what do you have in it? Well, I pulled this one out. This is a new acquisition. This is actually a flashlight. Oh, I'm sorry. It's, it's really bright. I just shined it on. That's what happens when you sit in the balcony. Uh, so anyway, here's this, here's this light. And the nice thing, by the way, uh, pardon me while I do turn it off. It has several different settings. Uh, it also has a solar panel on the back so that it charges up. So even if uh, there's no batteries like you put into it it has an internal uh, source but the uh, panel on the back allows it to recharge with a day's sunlight so I keep stuff like that in my go bag so that if something were to happen I'm prepared what are the chances well I figure I've got maybe 10 years left on my life so and don't hold me to that I don't have a clue but so if there's a 5 to 10 5 to 10% chance and it's in the next 50 years I get to divide that by 5 there's probably a 1% to 2% chance I'm going to have an earthquake. So I don't assume I will have to use this except to entertain you and have fun with friends and cats and dogs. <laughs> Daniel is predicting a faith quake. An extreme faith shakeup. So it makes sense to carry a go bag of heart preparation. So what would you want to pack in your, your go bag of the heart? Especially if you were to encounter a magnitude 10 faithquake. And the book of Daniel actually helps us answer that question. Uh, first thing that Daniel did was he outlined for us what's going to happen when this faith quake hits. Now, this is going to be the ultimate one. There will be faith quakes between now and then. But he's shown us, here's what you need to plan for. Daniel chapter 2, look for a union of ten nations who are not true equals. 
Daniel chapter 7. Look for a God-hating upstart to defeat three of these nations and launch a three-and-a-half-year unprecedented and prevailing campaign against the saints. Daniel 8. Look for someone who reflects but surpasses Antiochus Epiphanes in his arrogance against God and his animosity towards God's people. Daniel 9. Look for a prince to come who breaks a treaty after three and a half years and erects something abominable to launch a de devastating campaign against the saints. And then Daniel 11 through 12. Look for someone who establishes an expanding Middle Eastern empire capable of eliminating any who do not worship his idol or him. And when you see these events aligning, we are getting close to the return of Jesus. Um, these events, I like to call it the Daniel template. So let me just show you a picture of what the Daniel template looks like. Now, there's two other templates that are presented in the scripture. The Daniel template is one, and I'm going to walk you through that. It's really just a compilation of what I've already said. There is the Olivet template, which is basically Matthew 24 and 25, where Jesus actually gives us more information about this same template that I'm going to show you today. And then there is the Patmos template, which is the one that John, the apostle, shared from the island of Patmos, which adds additional information to this template. So let's just look at the Daniel one. We're not going to take a look at the, the Olivet or the Patmos templates, but let's look at this one. So what's he saying? There will be ten nations. At some point in Earth's history, future history, there will be ten nations, and I've drawn them to where some are the color of iron and some are the color of clay and some are a mixture. I don't know if it's going to be five nations are clay and five nations are iron, but somehow strength of iron, brutality of ceramic, will be characteristics of these ten nations. At some point, someone who is like Antiochus Epiphanes, a despicable person, is going to arise to a position of prominence. And he is going to conquer three of those nations, and he is going to assume control of all ten. At some point, that is going to happen. Somewhere in his rule over these ten nations at about the three and a half year mark he is going to erect an idol I don't know if it's an AI type of thing but if you don't worship him or his idol you will not be able to participate in commerce you will there will be repercussions including death but there is a clock ticking for him and day 1290 God's done enough and his rule is going to end and a stone not made with hands is going to come, crush the whole operation, and God is going to establish his everlasting kingdom. And from the 12th chapter of Daniel, we also learned that there's a marker point, which is the 1335 day. 1335 days after this image is set up is going to be a really great day because we're going to start the kingdom as Jesus is going to establish it here on this earth. So that's the template, okay? That's telling us what is coming. But a king who deems himself worthy to take God's place is going to come into power. People who worship God are going to have no place in this world. And he is going to effectively identify and eliminate all who refuse to worship him. This is where the world is headed.
Now, here's something that we've talked about, but I don't know that it's come together for you. Daniel has provided a wealth of insight into what persevering saints do when a magnitude 10 faith quake arrives prior to Jesus' return. And in the previous five sermons, I introduced 10 faith exercises that you can practice now to get your heart ready for whatever the future holds. And in the bulletin, I've made a copy, and it's, it's here with the outline. You have all 10 of the principles that we have talked about in the last five sermons. They're all here because you're going to want to take this with you, and you're going to use it in your family in some ways that I'm going to explain. Uh, in the sermon outline, you have the complete list of these principles, which basically are pick up your cross, know God, value trial. The first three were actually principles that we learned from how people survived when Antiochus Epiphanes was in power. Then we added number four, be a watchman, celebrate name shame, see him coming, serve only one, share a cup, give grace, and say no to fear. Now, I realize I just read those out. I'll flesh them out in a little bit. But basically, these are 10 principles that you have been given over the course of the last five sermons that basically outline 10 ways you can start to prep your heart for whatever the world is going to throw at us. These are the kinds of things that would even be useful if you were to face the extreme challenge that is coming prior to Jesus' arrival. Now, here's something to me that is awe-inspiring. You might not have noticed it when they were doing the reading, but I'm hopeful that you'll see it. Daniel and his friends demonstrated most of these heart skills. All ten of these principles. And I've actually, in the outline that you have, I've given you one verse in which you can see that. In some of them, there's actually three or four or five verses that tell us about things that Daniel or his friends, or in one case, Nebuchadnezzar, did that embody these ten principles. In other words, Daniel gave us a template. Here's what's coming. We have also extracted here are ten ways that people of faith can persevere and thrive. And Daniel actually illustrates all of those ways. So, let's take a look. Pick up your cross. Find ways each day to embrace cost as you follow Jesus. And here's what Daniel said, one of the passages that we read. Keep your gifts for yourself or give your rewards to someone else. However, I'll read the inscription to the king and make the interpretation known. In other words, I'm not in this for the money. I don't care about all the stuff you're going to give me. I'm following Jesus. Cost doesn't matter. Know God. Spend time and energy deepening your relationship with and understanding of God. In Daniel 1.4, one of the passages they read, it says that these, both Daniel and his three friends, who were probably in their mid-teens, so I'm going to say maybe 14, they show intelligence, that's a word sakal that we've talked about, in every branch of wisdom, that's hachma, which is used in Proverbs, they are endowed with understanding, being, and discerning knowledge. Here's 14-year-olds who have these incredible qualities. Sakal means biblically informed conviction. 
Chachmah is wisdom in which, that is informed by the knowledge of God, and Bean, which is discernment, the ability to make connections, to be able to discern the difference between good and evil, to be able to say, oh, this connects to this. This prophecy connects to this historical event. This is amazing to me. At age 14, Daniel and his friends know God and it shows through their intelligence, their wisdom, and their understanding. How's that possible? Well, at the, uh, almost one year ago when we began this sermon series, I told you the answer. I'm sure you remember it. <laughs> In Proverbs 9.10, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of chachmah, the same thing, beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. That's our word being in other words, his parents and whoever else was involved helped this man, young man, and his friends, his peers, to know God so well that they have wisdom and discernment beyond their years. If we're going to survive what's coming, we need to know God. Daniel and his peers were in that place even at age 14. Value trial. When you experience testing, celebrate that trial produces purity. I, I picked this one from, from Nebuchadnezzar. He actually got this one. He's, this is after he had been gone through this grazing in the field thing. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and honor the king of heaven for all his works are true and his ways are just and he is able to humble those who walk in pride. Be a watchman. This is where we tell people what they need to hear, what God would say. You need to know this. Therefore, O king, may my advice be pleasing to you. Break away now from your sins by doing righteousness and from your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor in case there may be a prolonging of your prosperity. Now think about this for a minute. He's actually giving a word to somebody who took his friends and threw them in a furnace to someone who said to him, if you don't tell me what my dream was, you're going to die. And by the way, you have to tell me what the meaning of it is too. And so he's saying, here's what you need to know. Celebrate name shame. Embrace opportunities to suffer shame for his namesake. So when the, the plot was hatched against Daniel in chapter 6, he entered his house where it was visible from the street, and he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God. This guy is actually embracing opportunities to make a stand for Jesus in a way that's public. He embraced the opportunity. See him coming. This is about looking beyond present circumstances to Jesus' return. Now, Daniel actually did this because of an angel's help in Daniel 7, 13. He says, this is Daniel talking, I kept looking in the night vision, and behold, with the clouds, one like a son of man was coming. He's seeing the return of Jesus. You got a preview, a glimpse of it. John, in the Patmos template, actually repeats this one and says to us, do the same thing. He actually quotes Daniel in Revelation 1-7, and he says, behold, he's coming with the clouds. What Daniel saw, you need to see, because behold is an imperative. See this. 
How do you do that? Uh, here's how I do that. I watch the news or I read the, the web or whatever, and then what I do is I look past that and I see Jesus coming. And that helps me. <laughs> Serve only one. Do whatever you do to please God alone. Daniel 1.8, Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food, which was a way of expressing allegiance to the king that would transcend his allegiance to God. He said, no, I'm not going to do that. Share a cup. Now, this one, there's not an example in Daniel of this, but Jesus, when he provides the Olivet template, he says, overlay this over what Daniel told me, told you. And he says, you know, the abomination of desolation that Daniel talked about, that's a piece of this. And then what he said is, I want you to give a cup of water to somebody who has suffered consequences for their allegiance to Jesus and do it as if you would do it for me. Do good to other servants of Christ. Number nine was give grace. Freely forgive those who've hurt you or worked your harm. And clearly Daniel did that. You know, he told the dream to Nebuchadnezzar, told him, here's what's going to happen because of your pride. And the king said, don't let the dreamer's interpretation alarm you. And Belshazzar, Daniel, says, my lord, if only the dream applied to those who hate you and its interpretation to your adversaries. This is amazing. This is the guy that threw your buddies in the furnace and that was going to kill you, and you're doing good to him? And then the last one was say no to fear. Live each day unafraid because you know who is writing your story and believe how he says it will end. Remember what uh, the three friends said to Nebuchadnezzar? Neb says, I'll give you another chance. Bow down to my idol. Ooh, portents of the future. And they say, don't bother. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. We trust how God intends our story to end. He can save us from... Or he can save us through, which in their case, he saved them through the fire. We're not afraid of what you can do because we know what God can do. We're not afraid. So all ten of these things, which we have talked about in the previous five sermons, you can start doing and prepare your heart for whatever the enemy might want to throw at us. You can live each day in a state of readiness to meet the Lord. Are you ready? Do you know him? Ten different ways you can live each day prepared to stay true to Jesus no matter what the world dishes out. You can live each day unafraid because you know how your story ends. So here's what I'm going to suggest to you. Pick one of these, one discipline a day, or for that matter, one a week, and decide, okay, I want to pick up my cross. 
So what that means is that I am going to figure out a way today to embrace cost for following Jesus. And just find a way to do that. And you can do that for seven days if you want to. And then you can go on to the know God one and say, okay, God, I would like you to show me something that I need to know about you and your character. You can do that for seven days. Daniel and his friends were already heart-prepped in their teen years, which means you can do this as a family. You can actually take this list and you can talk about it at dinner with your family and just say, hey, let's talk about the 10 heart disciplines of prevailing faith saints. So who's got a story to tell? You know, did you pick up your cross today? Or know God today? Or celebrate name shame? Or give a cup of cold water to someone who incurred costs for Jesus? What did you do? And then you bless your children. You say, that is so good. I love what you did there. That's principle number five. Way to go. Now I realize that when you hear me talking about this, you can say, Jim... Are you crazy? Which I, I realize there's parts of me that probably are. But, Jim, are you crazy? I mean, how in the world is it realistic for us to do this? And I would say, well, so then, my beloved, just as you've always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Get this. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, Paul in that passage, that's Philippians 2, is not talking about earning your salvation. He's not saying do all the stuff to earn salvation. He's saying work out your salvation. Express your salvation. And he says, do it with fear and trembling. Ooh, that sounds like I'm supposed to be afraid of people, right? No. In Philippians 1.28, he says, in no way alarmed by your opponents. This is not about fearing people, fearing what they can do. Work out your, your salvation with fear and trembling, which is basically a way of saying, with a longing for God to be pleased. Okay, how is that even possible? Uh, the word gar in Greek is a word that often introduces an explanation, and that's the case here. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, which means kind of like a newlywed who is fearful of her husband's response to her first dinner she cooks. It's fear that's born by love. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling which means you long for Jesus to be pleased. How realistic is that for, let me explain. God provides the will and God provides the work or the energy to do that. Don't be afraid of men. Long for God to be pleased and live accordingly and you can do this because he will give you the will and he will supply the energy for you to do that. These 10 things, you can do these. 
I long to do this because I know Jesus would be pleased. And he says, and I will give you the will, the willpower, and the energy to be able to successfully do this. You can do this in me. Now, this will not work if you have not accepted Jesus as your Savior. But if you have invited Jesus into your heart as your Savior, then God will give you whatever you need to persevere no matter what the faith challenge. So let me give you a glimpse of how your story ends if you will do these things. There are a series of overcomer promises in the book of Revelation and they are directed at all who will live from a prevailing faith. If you will do these things, if you will follow Dan's example, these promises are to you. They're not going to be on the screen because I want you to just listen to them as I read them. Now, all of these that I'm going to read, these are eight statements from the book of Revelation, the Revelation template fits right on top of the Daniel template it's describing the same period of time and there's a series of promises that are given to you in this room who know Jesus who will live from a prevailing faith and every one of them with the exception of the last one I'm going to show you eight begins with he who has an ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches all right that's our, that's our audience indicator. To whom are these promises given? The church. The church is not this building. The church is a people. If you know Jesus as your Savior, you are the church. And then he says, let him who has ears, how many of you here don't have ears? All right, if you have ears and are using them, let him hear. He who has ears, let him hear. In other words, listen. So in other words, anyone who is a part of the church who is paying attention to what he has to say about what is coming, these are the promises that are given to you. You ready to hear them? To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. That is your future. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. To him who overcomes, to him I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone and a new name written on the stone, which no one knows but he who receives it. I'm looking forward to that one. My name, which is James, comes from the Hebrew Yehov, which means supplanter, conniver, not MacGyver, conniver. <laughs> I can't wait to get a new name. <laughs> and one that Jesus gives me. He who overcomes and he who keeps my deeds unto the end, to him I will give authority over the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron as the vessels of the potter are broken to pieces as I also have received authority from my Father and I will give him the morning star. He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments and I will erase I will not erase his name from the book of life and I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. 
He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will not go out from it anymore. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and my new name. He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. And then the last one, he who overcomes will inherit these things and I will be his God and he will be my son. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Are you part of Jesus' church? Are you listening? Will you trust him to supply what you lack and do your part to live for his pleasure no matter what? Then these overcomer promises are describing your future when Daniel 7, 13 will actually happen. And I looked and behold the Son of Man coming with the clouds. When that's happening, all of those overcomer promises will be fulfilled. I'm telling you these things because I desperately want you to live from a prevailing faith when faith is forbidden. Things are going south. Many are fading. I want to be able to stand in Jesus' presence with you. And for him to say, I'm so glad you were listening and have lived from a faith that will not be denied no matter what the world throws at you. That's what I long for. Let's pray. Father, my plea is for this people. In a world where it's becoming harder and harder to name the name of Jesus, to stay true to you, I am pleading with you to supply the will and the work to live for your pleasure with passionate abandon, no matter what the world throws at us. I'm pleading for you to work, to raise up in this place a people who are on fire for you. And even though thrown into a fire, they will remain ablaze for you. Father, we trust you. You know what you're doing. Spare us from being like the seed thrown on the hard soil and when tribulation strikes, our faith fails. Make of us a people who have the will and the work to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.